Hey everybody, Coach here. Hey, I hope everybody's doing well. Glad you could join me for a few minutes, no matter what you're doing. Maybe you're walking, maybe you're running, maybe you're driving, maybe you're, I don't wanna even know. Hey, uh, this particular week, we're looking at ground covers. We're looking at various plant material that fall into this category. And whether they're holding a hillside, uh, creeping between flagstone patios, cascading over retaining walls or boulders, or somewhere in between, ground covers are very versatile plants that can fill many landscape needs. However, choosing the right one is key to long-term success. Emphasis on the word long-term. That and being aware ahead of time that you may have to supplement new ones in their places because sometimes they don't always live, many varieties don't always live decades. Ground covers are our topic this week. Different kinds, different applications, care and maintenance. So, hey, I'm glad you're here. Stay with me until the end and I will share with you a new and growing trend in the ground cover use genre. Let's get this episode creeping along, shall we? <laughs> creeping along, that's a good one. Damn, I got a million of these things. Hey, I'm Matt, you can call me coach. Every week I bring it to you DIY landscape education, concepts, design theories, and DIY instruction in an easy to understand format so you can tackle projects yourself, get the results you want, be a heck of a lot more self-reliant in this day and age, and in the process, save a boatload of money. You know, after a 20 plus year career uh, in the green industry as a landscape designer and contractor, retail nursery manager, educated in an ornamental hort, I believe I really bring a lot of knowledge and experience to the table, which I wanna share with you, the modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. You know, many years ago when I was uh, just getting started as a noob in the green industry, I was being trained in the ornamental horticulture at the nursery I worked at. Thank you very much, Navales Nursery in Northern California. You know, we had to literally take written tests every week on subtle uses, habits, placements of various ground covers that we sold. I started out in that particular section, if you will, of the nursery, dealing with uh, ground covers and color, flats, hanging baskets, all the other stuff that was in that particular area. You know, you pass that test and you move on to another five varieties every week that we sold there. Overall, I think I tested on like 30 to 40 various ground covers. These were ground covers that were in starter flats, not gallon can container stock. They were mud flats, if you will, or cell pack flats. That place really wanted you to know the material you sold. You, you spoke from a position of authority and expertise. That is what the owner, Bert Bertolero, wanted from all the people at all of his nurseries to be head and shoulders above the competition. Now, you take that kind of education and you compare it to something that you get at some of the larger nursery departments in the box stores today. Yeah, it's, it's far and away a much different world. So when we're speaking of ground covers, so many ways can ground covers be used in our ornamental landscapes. Here are just a, 
uh, a small handful that I came up with for this particular talk. Obviously, to cover the ground and create a greenish carpet as opposed to just mulch or gravel or turf grass. That's probably one of the first things. You know, another one is as a filler in between boulders and flagstone and concrete pavers or blocks. Another is a soil stabilizer for erosion control. Very big use in some of the, the hillier areas, especially out west. How about as a spiller or a cascader, if you would? A spiller plant to soften and beautify retaining walls, etc. And as a substitute, but you will have to wait to the end of this for that one. Sorry, a little surprise at the end. I have used ground covers in many landscapes that I have designed and built over the years, including many of my own. The last one being at Wheat Patch Ranch in Northern California. I used a variety around the waterfall and in the planting beds as well for fillers and perennial color splash at the ground level. And I mixed them in between other types of plants as well, but ground covers really worked well. Ground covers are available in many different plantable sizes. The most common being the mud flats and cell pack flats as mentioned earlier. But many varieties also come in four inch pots and even gallon can sizes depending on variety. Many folks think ground covers are only little ground hugging creepers that hug the ground and stay only an inch or two high. This is not always the case. Take for instance uh, this kind of scenario. Take for instance a need for a hillside that needs stabilization via plantings and other means. Let's say the hillside has a 25% slope. It is plantable. It does have a plantable soil mix in it. We'll just hypothetically say it's in zone eight and is about, the hillside is about a half acre in size, full sun exposure and faces south. So with that information in mind, what would you use plant-wise, ground cover-wise, to stabilize this hillside. Hmm? How about scotch moss? We could plant a half acre of scotch moss and see how that holds up. How about creeping thyme? Do you think that could do it? Why not? Tell me why. Drop a comment below and let me know. Okay, okay, maybe not those actual plants. You know, on such a large scale, you would have to approach it from a couple different angles, thought-wise. Number one, functionality and purpose. What is the functionality and purpose of the ground covers going on here? Obviously to stabilize and hold the soil and prevent erosion, am I right? And the other is the right selection for long-term success and to fit the environment we're asking it to do. Hot, exposed southern hillsides, shoot, really require a, a tenacious, tough ground cover that will withstand such conditions and with the help of other plants, do the job and do it well. Make the wrong selection and all you've done is waste your dollars and your time. So what plant would you use? This would require a mass planting, not just a onesie twosies. We're talking a half acre. I would be inclined to use gallon can stock and not so much of the cell pack plugs or mud flat situation. Maybe drip irrigation used as well to get it off to a good start and not have any kind of stressors. I would probably also tackle this in late winter, 
or late fall so that the stress of temperatures and other things would be mitigated. So here's some of my thoughts that I would if you had a situation like this. And it's ones that I've used over the course of the last couple decades off and on. But think about manzanita. Manzanita in the form of emerald carpet and in the form of some of the mid-sized ones mixed in between. How about low-growing junipers? Okay, you have blue chip, wiltoni, and other ones along those lines mixed in with maybe some little taller ones. For contrast, like old gold and some of the other newer old gold varieties that are out there. So you'd have a bluish carpet area and then have the chartreuse or yellow higher higher junipers that would help stabilize. There's another one called Carmel Creeper. It's a variety of California lilac from the Ceanothus family. Would also work well. This one tends to grow up just a little bit if it's ever trimmed. It tends to mound up. Um, but it's a great one and it's, it's a natural native out there in California. Also, you can look at shrub rose, you know, just the, the horticultural shrub roses that you could use. There's an old fashioned one that's out there and it's been around for a long time. Also use it in conjunction with shrubbery and stuff, but the old African daisy, the trailing African daisy, it works rather well. Also some ice plants. Uh, another one is gatoniaster and shrubbery that you could find that uh, really draws itself and its, its fame or fortune from a good, strong, fibrous root system. That's going to be the key. So mixing and matching ground covers with some of these other complementary shrubs, and there's your half acre, hillside done. Plants taller than two and a half feet, you know, they tend to be classed as shrubbery and not ground covers. But with mass planting, even these do the job they are called to do. They cover the ground and stabilize that hill. All right, let's talk about another application or applications. How about rock gardens? How about planting behind retaining walls? How about uh, paver stone fillers in between flagstones and large paving stones? Now we're talking kind of a, a smaller scale plant material, not one that's going to just go ape shit all over the place. One that stays relatively low within two inches or so, and knits in and around the areas. It has kind of a controlled spread, emphasis on this following part, without being invasive. I say that again, without becoming invasive. These kind of guys, and we're gonna go into some selections here in just a second. These guys basically focus in on spillers and creepers and are maintainable. They're not a runaway ground cover freight train that you're gonna to have to pay attention to on a weekly basis. Back in the olden days when I started, like I mentioned at the top of the show, those being the late 70s, 1970s and early 80s, these varieties would be, oh, Scotch and Irish moss, creeping thyme, blue star creeper, some ice plant, especially for spillers over retaining walls. Uh, in some cases, trailing gazania. The African daisy that I mentioned, although that one you have to use kind of sparingly. Today, some of these are still in style, but many are not for the reasons right here. Their aggressiveness and the shrunken size of many of our yards now kind of force us to withhold some of those more aggressive ground covers because they tend to overwhelm an area. Unless, like, like I said, regular attention is brought to bear on it. Now, if you 
used African daisy somewhere in a really small area, my God, you'd be out there once a month trimming it back. And as soon as you trimmed it back, as soon as you edged it, it wants to do what? It wants to go up because it can't trail any longer because you just chopped off its legs. So it's gonna start rising and rising and rising. A classic example of this is trailing lantana out on the west coast. You may see some of it in the, the southeast and other places, but trailing lantana is a beautiful, beautiful lantana, and it can actually handle some cooler temperatures, but many people overplant it in the spaces intended. And then they start, they start edging it, and they start clipping it. And pretty soon, a ground cover lantana that was meant to be 12 inches or less is suddenly two and a half feet tall. And that's just a classic example of wrong plant in the wrong place, and certainly overplanted. In this day and age, today's homeowner has, believe it or not, a lot less time. Many have less patience, and they want that instant gratification and satisfaction from just about anything attached to landscape. And oftentimes that is just not the case. Ground covers take a little time to fill in, to grow, and become that mature filler, creeper, and beautiful, beautiful plant that you saw in your Pinterest or Google images that drew you to it in the first place. If nothing else, ground covers and landscaping in general teach us attention to detail, planting schematics, planting technique, and above all, patience. You know, prepping for ground covers surrounds what application you're using them for. You know, if you're doing hillsides, individual holes with water basins is generally the, the, the planting choice. If you're doing rock gardens, individual holes, and in some cases, if you've backfilled areas, uh, nice cluster plantings. You know, you take a cell pack and plant it behind a boulder and then let it creep down around the boulder and over the top of the boulder. Spillers. Spillers generally come from cluster and mass plantings, but much more in a linear fashion along a wall or a boulder retainer or whatever you might have. And then fillers. Fillers are individual holes spaced in between stones, pavers, larger shrubs and trees, etc. Individual holes for fillers spaced in between stones and pavers and in between trees and other landscape features is generally the way you want to go. I would approach planting ground covers just as I would trees and shrubs and everything else, depending on what type of soil conditions you have. But I always go with a 50-50 mix of the native soil or imported soil and a good quality organic material, like either a bag planting mix or a good quality compost. Starter fertilizer of the low volatility, like uh, a good organic one that I always used was EB Stone starter fertilizer or any similar product like that. And then water depending on variety. And I want to emphasize something about water. Ground covers, ground covers are not lawn turf. Many drought tolerant ground covers like Emerald Carpet Manzanita, need to be moist initially, but never, ever saturated, never saturated, and prefer to dry out just a little bit in between waterings. Mosses, like Scotch and Irish moss, they love to be moist, but mosses tend to thrive in a uh, moist, dry environment. They almost like to be sprinkled more than they like to be soaked, like deep soaking, but don't like, you know, they don't like to be sitting in saturation either. You would think, heck, it's a moss. You know, it, it wants to be almost in standing water. Not the case at all. A matter of fact, mosses will rot out faster from overwatering than manzanita will, believe it or not. More tolerant varieties that are kinder and gentler to the, 
the, the newbie gardener or landscaper are varieties like, you know, Blue Star Creeper from the, the family Isotoma. They put up with a little bit of everything. Common sense now has to enter into it. You don't want to flood the area out, but a little research and visual inspection during that first 30 days of planting will guide you in the care of the ground covers you've selected. The other thing is don't overplant. And I may have mentioned that earlier in the show. Don't overplant. This is not the conditions for, well, if I put three around this boulder, five would be better. Nope, nope, and triple nope. Nope, don't do it. Oftentimes they'll, they'll actually suggest a spacing schematic either on the tag or you'll see something online as far as spacing that particular plant. Uh, if you were doing something like, oh, say like a drosanthemum ice plant, a great spiller uh, and also a good hillside uh, planter. You know, you don't want to plant them eight inches apart and you're going to want to plant them in kind of a staggered row formation and be able to plant them out maybe 18 to 24 inches a piece at a minimum. In some cases, even 24 to 30 inches a piece if you're staggering them. And if you're incorporating other plant material, then maybe even 36 inches apart. Know the plant you're installing and what it is capable of. For instance, I'll give you a classic example story right out of the annals of my landscape career. I had a flagstone patio that I was putting in for a customer in Northern California many, many years ago. And in between those stones, they wanted a ground cover. And I gave them a selection of about four. They decided to go with option number five. They wanted, because they saw it online and really thought it was pretty, blah, blah, blah. They wanted one called Myoporum parvifolium. It's also cold in Australia, I think, creeping bubalia. Okay, go with that name if you want. In between the flagstones. It would be good, I told them, when I first put it in, but I told them and I implored with them, in 12 months, you're not gonna see your patio. And they insisted, they, they insisted. Well, as a good businessman, I told them, okay, but I'm also going to have you sign this blah, 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 disclaimer. And who called back nine months later and they said, uh, we were wrong, you were right, we've pulled that all out, can you come back and put in one of your other four selections? Those other selections that I gave them I think were Creeping Thyme and Corsican Mint, Blue Star Creeper, Dichondra, Scotch and Irish Moss, and I think I may have put in their Baby Tears or Carpet Bugle, one or the other. Yep, sometimes you, you just can't, a person writing the check is always right, right? <laughs> Hey, spillers are those ground covers that will fill the area then by sheer gravity cascade over steep areas like walls and boulders. I use this application in many boulder retaining circumstances when I landscape. Varieties like, and check these out if you get a chance. I think there's some great photo ideas that I've seen online recently. One that I liked was Rainbow Creeping Time, also flocks. But remember, Phlox tends to be kind of a short-lived Hall of Famer, mainly when it's blooming. And after that, it's kind of like, eh, you know, it's just kind of a slow-growing, simple little green guy. Uh, Drosanthemum ice plant is a great one. Lamium, dwarf Dalmatian bellflower, if you have kind of a filtered morning sun area and then filtered afternoon shade area. Dwarf Dalmatian bellflower really looks good, especially when it comes into bloom. Creeping rosemary for the big areas. Especially, that's another one for a hillside stabilizer. I forgot that one up, up above. Creeping Jenny is another one. Vinca or Periwinkle 
especially the variegated one. You gotta check out the variegated one. And there's some others out there, but that just, that gets you started, right? You know, ground covers are planted all over the world and a multitude of various environmental conditions. Some die back each winter and then reappear the following spring. Others are hardy, hardy evergreen type of ground covers and they can withstand winter's wrath. They slow down to almost nothing, but they pull through and then they really, really get their, their grow on the following spring and summer. Now for the latest trend in ground cover use, this is what I promised you. Here it comes, ready? Drum roll please, maestro. In this day and age, with water restrictions becoming almost commonplace around our country and in some places the globe, it is becoming a lawn substitute. And a lawn substitute in a hurry. Scaling back lawn sizes is becoming commonplace, in many cases even eliminated in some places. It kept me in business back in the last big recession and the big drought in Northern California that went from what, like 2008 till, geez, it was almost up to 15, 16, 17, I think is when the drought finally broke. <laughs> and they're back in another one. But if you're looking for lawn substitutes using ground covers, which I do see online quite often, people are searching and asking about that, check out a couple of these selections. We've mentioned creeping thyme already. It's such a versatile, type of uh, plant, and you can use it as the herb. Yes, you can. Uh, there's another one called Dymondia, D-Y-M-O-N-D-I-A, Dymondia. Uh, in some cases, emerald carpet manzanita, if you're in a real drought-stricken area. Uh, various sedums work really well. Another one that you don't see very often anymore, and it really does a good job, and you can mow it and you can walk on it, is uh, spring syncofoil, also called potentilla. Creeping jenny has been mentioned, especially if you have a little bit of uh, a uh, little shade area that you need to try to cover up. There's another one that's out there, and if you have a very small area that you want a lawn substitute, there's one called green carpet. Comes from the Herniaria family. You can use small scale ivy, but keep an eye on it. Creeping Charlie is another one, which that's probably one of my last picks because it's also one that it'll run and root, run and root, run and root. So you do need to have a good edge on the edging of your lawn area. Otherwise it can, it can jump and go and get out of control. But hey, it is used and it's, it looks cool because it's kind of a variegated leaf, kind of a, a cream and light green leaf. It makes a pretty, pretty spectacular lawn substitute. So what do you get by substituting lawn with ground covers? Well, the first thing you get is you get no weekly care per se. Uh, there's no mowing. For the most part, there's a lot less water requirements less feeding requirements, and just remember the right choice for the application. Big scale or small scale? Shade or sun? I think ground covers are a very, very useful tool for the DIY landscaper and homeowner and can solve many, many ills and issues when regular shrubs and perennials just can't cut it. Do some research and look into them. Remember one thing is walkability. In some cases, not all will want walkability. A shining example is you can't go trampling across a sedum ground cover regularly. It will be done in less than 30 days. And another thing is it's not always meant for doggos and kiddos. They can, uh, they can wreak havoc on uh, ground cover areas pretty quickly. The only other ground cover that I thought about was uh, if you want for lawns or if you want for a mix is uh, clover. Although clover is a, I don't know, 
Uh, some people don't like the bees that it attracts. Some people like the bees that it attracts. It doesn't need as much water, but still, it still does a good job. It's something that might be right for some. Well, guys, there you go. You got a brief look at ground covers, you know, the right plant and the right application. I, I hope you've enjoyed the discussion. I hope it, it focused you a little bit on what to uh, look for if you have a ground cover need. You know, thanks for staying with me, and I hope to see you next week. As always, questions are always welcome. Youryardcoach at gmail.com will always get you a response in a pretty rapid fashion. Hey, for now, this is Coach saying get the hands dirty and enjoy the hobby of taking care of your own humble slice of heaven. You guys take care. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yard Coach. Check out the original videos on YouTube at Yard Coach or email Coach Matt at youryardcoach at gmail.com. And hey, did you get your free 15-step landscaping project checklist? Check out the podcast description below for the link to your free PDF as well as the YouTube channel for more great information for the DIYer in you. See you next week.